The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you again as we come around God's Word. I trust God has already been ministering to you through our worship and uh, through our time of prayer. And as we come around God's Word, I, I pray that it would continue, that God's grace will continue to pour out into your heart and encourage and bless you this morning. If you're visiting with us, I want to extend a very special welcome. If you found your way to our online service, uh, if this is your first time or you're new, uh, we are so glad that you're joining with us. And just to bring you up to speed, we're in week three of our series, The Kingdom Revealed where we've been exploring uh, the parables of Jesus, where he talks about the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus is, uh, when these parables where Jesus describes uh, what the kingdom of God is like and how we're to live in light of that. And so we, as we've been journeying, we've been asking ourselves that question, what is the kingdom of God is like and how should we live as kingdom citizens? And so uh, we've looked at the, the, the parable of the, the uh, mustard seed and the growing seed and the leaven two weeks ago. And then last week we looked at the parables of uh, the pearl of great price and the buried treasure. And so this week we're looking at um, some really quite different parables. Um, and they're the parables of the wheat and the tares or the wheat and the weeds um, and uh, the, um, the parables of the, the good fish and the bad, bad fish or the dragnet parable. And so the main thrust of these parables seems to be on this idea of separation. So I've entitled my message this morning, Separated. And so uh, if you want to grab your Bibles or your devices, uh, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 13 again, where these parables are found. Um, and we're going to look at verses 24 to 30, and then 36 to 43, and 47 to 50. Um, and so this is where Jesus is talking about these parables. And then he also explains the parables, which makes my job a lot easier today, uh, because Jesus already tells us what the different things in the parables means uh, and helps us understand what's going on in these parables. So if you have your, your Bibles, why don't you read along with me? Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But, but while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Jumping to verse 36. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds, uh, weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. And then we jump down further to the parable of the net, which is verse 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was, th uh, that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. And then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. So this is the explanation. And throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let me pray and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and active. And I pray that as we come around it, that you will give us the grace of your Holy Spirit to understand what it is you're saying. And Lord, that he would move our hearts to respond in faith and in obedience. Help me, Father, to communicate your word faithfully. I pray that your Holy Spirit will empower me to declare your word in your authority, that it might impact our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When our kids were little, whenever we watched a movie, one of the questions they used to always ask us is, who are the goodies and who are the baddies? They always wanted to know who the heroes were and who the villains were. And as they grew up and as we started you know, watching different kinds of movies, it became clear that that was harder and harder to tell, that there was some bad in good people and some good in bad people. And we began to teach them that life and people is, is a lot more complex than just the two categories of goodies and baddies. We still use that kind of language today. But interestingly, in these parables, Jesus kind of does the same thing. He, he divides all of humanity into goodies and baddies, into two categories, the children of the kingdom and the children of the evil one. And I guess that raises a question for me. If that is how God sees all of humanity then we would do well to stop and reflect and ask ourselves, which category do we find ourselves in? Are we children of the kingdom or are we children of the evil one? Because as we will see, the implications of that categorizing is quite significant. And so I want to invite you as we go through these parables to allow that thought to really sit in your heart. So as I mentioned, Jesus has kind of already explained to us what these parables mean and how we're to understand them, which then allows us to jump straight into the main point that Jesus is trying to make here. And in summary, this is what it would be. In spite of Jesus ushering in the kingdom of God, evil will continue to exist until the day of judgment. And at that point, he will finally remove all that is evil and bring to fulfillment God's glorious kingdom. In a nutshell, that's what these two parables are teaching. And it's interesting because they kind of, the, the broader context is in kind of in Matthew 12, where Jesus is in conflict with the Pharisees. And we can see that their hardness of heart is resisting uh, Jesus. And so it would have raised questions for the disciples because in that context, Jesus says that he is driving out demons by the finger of God, by the power of God. And he's saying, if I'm doing that, then the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God has come. And so that would have raised questions for the disciples because they're thinking, well, Jesus, if you've ushered in the kingdom of God, then how can evil still exist? 
How can bad people and bad things still exist in your world if you've ushered in the kingdom? And it is into that context that Jesus is speaking these kingdom parables and these ones in particular. And so he's teaching here that the kingdom of God is like these things to explain how evil can still exist in a world where the kingdom of God has been ushered through the presence of Jesus. So this morning, with that main point and main idea in the background, I want to share with you four kingdom principles that we can draw out of this main point and the, and, the, and, the principle and the main message that Jesus wants to convey in these parables. And the reason there's four is because Dash and my kids always give me a hard time that there's always three points to my sermon. Last time I preached, there were three kingdom principles. Well, this week, there's four kingdom principles. And I hope that they each encourage and bless you. And the way, uh, the way these principles work is there's good news and bad news. And so, you know, these things will alternate within these four principles as we go. So first, let's start with bad news one. First kingdom principle is that there is an enemy. There is an enemy. Jesus makes it clear here that the devil is the enemy and that he is stealthy and he's cunning. The parables show us that he comes at night while everyone is sleeping and he, he sows the, the weed among the wheat. You see, the, the devil is, is about corrupting all that's good and all that's right. He, he's about undermining and, and destroying and pulling apart the kingdom of God and, and trying to uh, defile and, and uh, bring to disarray all that God wants in, in the world and in our lives. But Jesus makes it clear here is that, and this is the bad news, that there is an evil, there is an evil presence and that, that is a person and that's the devil and he is going to be around till the end of the age. In, in spite of Jesus coming and Jesus ushering in the kingdom of God, evil is not going to disappear. Satan is not going to go away anytime soon. And on the one hand, that can be quite discouraging for us. But I, I pray and I ask you to hold on as we go through the other kingdom principles, because you will see that Jesus says much more than this. But we need to start here with this principle that evil will continue to exist within this kingdom of God that Jesus has ushered in. And that evil is going to be around till the end of the age. And I guess my invitation to you and, and my challenge to us is to not forget who our real enemy is, that it is the devil. And even though the parables mention evil doers and evil people also existing till the end of time, the real enemy of the kingdom is Satan himself. And see, in our lives and in our world right now, there is so much evil going on. And there are so many evil people and wicked people who are bringing destruction and hatred and injustice and violence and, and, uh, and racism and all kinds of things. And, and the temptation for us is to focus on those things, on the human agents, on the human institutions, whether they be political or religious or philosophical or ideological. And we, we want to vent our rage and our anger against those systems, the human systems. And yes, for sure, God calls us to engage in that, in that battle, to, to push back you know, evil and darkness in our world, wherever that may be found. And the uh, world history has been characterized by Christian people, the church rising up in times of great evil and being bastions of truth and justice and liberty and, and equality and freedom. And we talked a little bit about that the last time we preached. And, and, and the, church, the last time I preached, and the the church has always been about pushing back evil systems and shining the light in the midst of the darkness. 
And right now, we might be tempted to do the same. And while that's a noble and right cause, these parables remind us to not lose sight of who our real enemies, the greater evil that stands behind all of the evil systems and people in our world. Because the Bible says over and over again that our real enemy, the real kingdom enemy, is a spiritual enemy. Which is why in Ephesians 6, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty armor. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Listen to what he goes on to say. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, uh, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Yes, there are evil people. Yes, there are evil systems. But our primary kingdom enemy is Satan, is the devil himself. So Paul goes on to say, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, and then in verse 18 he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul says this even so clearly, saying, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. See, that's the key strategy. Yes, we want to push back evil in the world, but we don't wage war the same way as the world does. The weapons we fight with, Paul says, is, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God or against the kingdom of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The first kingdom principle I want to share with you, friends, is that we have a real enemy and he is powerful and he's deceptive and he, he seeks to undermine and corrupt everything good and everything right in God's kingdom. And we would do well not to overlook him, not to lose sight of him and focus on the temporary physical enemies that we want to fight against. God has given us the weapons of our warfare. God has given us the armor to clothe ourselves in. God has given us the spiritual weapons to pull down the enemy's strongholds. And that's prayer. And I encourage you in this moment as we see chaos and evil reigning in our world to go to prayer, to engage in spiritual warfare as the Bible calls us to. To not be ignorant of the devil's schemes, to not be uh, taken off guard because we've neglected to deal with the, the real enemy of the kingdom. There was a story told uh, about uh, a battle that took place in Mexico when the French army invaded Mexico. And this was, this was in 1862. And the battle took place on a hill called Cerro del Borrego. I think that's how you say it. Uh, also known as the Hill of Sheep. And while the enemy camped in the central park of Orizaba, the Mexican army established its position at the top of the hill. However, the Mexican general made a fatal mistake. He neglected to guard the access to the top of the hill. And so while the Mexican troops were sleeping in their false sense of security, the French attacked them and killed 2,000 of them. And I want to suggest to you, brother and sister, let's not make that mistake. Let's not direct all our attention to the wrong enemy and, and rest secure that we're doing our part to, to deal with the enemy of the kingdom. The real enemy is the devil and God has given us the resources and the equipment and the, and the weapons we need to fight him. Kingdom principle two is that Jesus reigns in the face of evil. This is the good news. 
We heard the bad news that there is an enemy and he's going to be around till the end of the age. And as Revelation says, his fury is going to intensify and his rage against the kingdom of God and against the people of God is going to continue. But here's the good news that comes out in these parables, that Jesus reigns in the face of evil. And this was the encouragement he wanted to give the disciples who were wondering about the kingdom of God and trying to understand how evil could still exist. See, this is not like yin and yang. This is not like Star Wars, where, you know, the, the question is continually there, you know, who will win? Will, will the Jedi win or will the Sith win? Will, will light triumph over darkness? And this quest for finding the one who will bring balance to the force, it's not like that. Jesus makes it very clear here that He is the sovereign ruler. You see, He says that the kingdom, the field, is the world. And then He says in verse 41, the Son of Man will send out His angels and they will weed out of, notice, His kingdom, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. See, Jesus has not abdicated His throne to Satan. For sure, the Bible says that the devil is the prince of this world. Absolutely, he is a powerful enemy. But Jesus is still on the throne. And Jesus isn't going to bring balance to the force. No, Jesus is going to overthrow everything that's evil. He's going to overthrow Satan. And we know the end of the story. When we read to the end of the book, we see that the end of our enemy has already been decreed. His end is already certain. And Jesus here is, uh, he, he demonstrates to us that he's the sovereign ruler who owns the kingdom. This is still God's world. This is still God's kingdom. What great encouragement we can take from Jesus' words in Matthew 28, 18, when Jesus says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is still the sovereign ruler of the universe in the face of evil. And in, in, in Ephesians 1, Paul can make this profound statement. The, the power that we have is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And listen to this. Seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed, again, listen to this, all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. Friend, I want to tell you that the King of the kingdom, Jesus, has not abdicated His throne. He has not left us or abandoned us. No, this is still His world and this is still His kingdom. And He reigns as the sovereign ruler in the midst of evil, in the midst of our enemy. Jesus is still in control. The second thing we learn about Jesus, and again, our culture sits uncomfortably with this, Jesus here is portrayed as the, as the righteous judge. Notice He uses the, the, the label for Himself as the Son of Man. And it is Jesus as the Son of Man who sends out the angels to bring about the harvest, to bring about the separation. It is Jesus Himself who describes the outcome of the people of wickedness as being gathered up, bundled, and thrown in the fire. It's Jesus who uses language like there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, talking about torment and separation. Now our culture is happy to accept Jesus as a loving, friendly, kind Savior, but as the righteous judge who will bring, bring righteousness and execute God's judgment, whoa, we're very, very uncomfortable with that. And yet we see here very clearly that it is Jesus as the Son of Man who is saying that He will bring judgment. He will bring separation. He will eliminate all evil. He will weed out of His kingdom, it says in verse 41, everything that causes sin and all who do evil. 
Jesus, the Son of Man, is the righteous judge. But the Bible tells us that Jesus is not just that. He is also the suffering servant. Isaiah 53 talks about that. And in Colossians 1 and 2, we're told that Jesus, the very, the very image of God, came and, and He died on a cross as the way that He defeated the enemy. Jesus didn't lead a military campaign. He didn't overthrow um, Rome in a political uprising. He didn't fight this battle in a physical sense. No, He actually did something that many people have questioned and, and, and struggled with, this idea of a suffering servant that Paul says, you know, it's foolishness and, and, and it's a curse being, being put to death on a cross. And yet, Jesus, the righteous judge, the supreme sovereign ruler of the universe, also comes and lays down his life as the suffering servant. And as Colossians says, that is how he disarmed the power of Satan. That is how he disarmed and destroyed the power of sin in our lives, by laying down his life, by taking on himself the fullness of the the evil of Satan, the fullness of the wrath of God, the fullness of the judgment of God. He bore it himself so that he would never have to pronounce judgment on all those who trusted him. That is what Jesus offers you. You can choose whether you want to meet him now as the suffering servant who wants to forgive and welcome you into his kingdom, or you can meet him later as the righteous judge who will bring separation. And that is the, the, the bad news and the good news of the kingdom that Jesus offers to each of us. Will you trust Him? Will you trust Him today? Will you trust His work on the cross? Because Jesus makes it very clear that the next time He does come to usher in the finality and culminate His kingdom, it will be as the righteous judge who will separate. The third kingdom principle that Jesus brings out is this truth that there will be separation. And again, this is a truth that we sit uncomfortably with in our culture. We don't like these ideas of exclusion. Uh, and again, this is the bad news. Jesus makes it very, very clear that the kingdom is a separated kingdom. The kingdom is where there will be no evil. There will be no wickedness. And there will be no evil doers. There will be no evil people. And see, as much as our culture doesn't want to connect Jesus with judgment or anything negative, if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus is the sovereign ruler and was the righteous judge, we couldn't really not have any hope of the kingdom of God as we imagine it to be. The kingdom of God would never be a piece of righteousness and justice and truth and peace and harmony and, and all of those wonderful truths unless Jesus was able to separate good from bad, the righteous from the evil. And Jesus in this parable uses goody-baddy language. He divides all of humanity into goodies and baddies. And he makes very clear that the outcome will be very different. There are the sons of righteousness who will be welcomed in to enjoy the Father's kingdom. But the, the children of the, uh, the evil one will be bound up and, and cast into the fiery flame where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The good fish are preserved in baskets and the bad fish are thrown away. The, the weeds and the wheat are separate. Jesus uses multiple ways of saying the same thing. The kingdom of God is a separated kingdom. And that's bad news if you're not part of the kingdom of righteousness. But Jesus invites you to come. And so the question is, well, what differentiates be between the two people? What differentiates between those people who will be burned in the fire and those who will shine like the, the sun in righteousness? Well, the Bible tells us that it is really what we do with Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 36, John, in the context of talking about 
God's love. You know, the famous verse, John 3, 16, God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him will never perish but have everlasting life. He goes on to say this very, very plainly and clearly. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. We like John 3.16, but we struggle with John 36, 3.36. And then 1 John 5.12, he makes it even more clear. He says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. See, there, are, there is separation in the kingdom. There are only two groups of people, the sons of the evil one and the sons of the righteousness. And the outcomes of those two different groups of people will be very, very different. And what separates them is what you do with Jesus. Whether you trust Him as your Lord and Savior, whether you put your faith in what He has done for you on the cross when He absorbed the wrath of God on Himself and paid the penalty for your sins so that you can be forgiven, or whether you will trust yourself, whether you will trust your own good deeds, whether you trust that your righteousness will be good enough to please the Father. And Jesus says, you know what? Everybody else who is not a son of righteousness is a son of the evil one. Your good works will never be good enough. But Jesus' work on the cross is the only thing that separates the two groups of people. And so I encourage you to open your heart to Jesus and to, to consider trusting Him as your Savior because the separation is coming and it is guaranteed. And that is the bad news. The last kingdom principle I want to share with you is the good news. Is the good news. Yes, separation is coming. And yes, all of humanity will be divided between the, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad. And the outcome will be very, very different for those two groups of people. But the good news is that that day, that event is still future. It's still to come. And so if you're not yet a Christian today, if you haven't trusted in Jesus yet, then I want to urge you and plead with you according to the Scriptures in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7, that says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Today is the day of salvation. You see, because separation is still to come, we're in the time of grace. We're in the time of God's mercy. We're in the time of God's favor where we can encounter Jesus as our Savior. We can encounter Jesus as the, the loving, suffering servant who came to die to, to atone and to pay for our sin and we can be welcomed into God's family. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.2, Paul says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And in, 1 John 1, uh, in John 1.12, John says that we can switch sides. In this moment, in this period of history, we can become the children of God. Yet all who did receive Him, John says, to those who believed in His name, there's that idea of trusting Jesus. He gave the right to become the children of God. You see, as much as we don't like binary, we don't like good and bad in our culture, we don't like those who are in and those who are out, we don't like that language, we, don't, we feel that it's exclusive and arrogant, and you know, we, we want to say that everybody's welcome and everybody wins and everybody's accepted and everybody's welcome. Yes, that's true in the kingdom of God. Everybody's welcome and everybody's accepted, but on the terms that Jesus has determined, and that is through Him. But now is that moment. Now is that opportunity for you to switch sides, for you to embrace Jesus and become a child of the kingdom, to become a child of God and become part of God's family with the assurance that like in this parable, you too will be a part of the kingdom of God and you will shine like the, the, the sun in the, in, the, in the coming kingdom of the Father. 
And you can have that assurance today. And I encourage you, if you're still not a Christian, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, that you would consider reaching out to us, that you will consider engaging with us and connecting with us and, and making contact through email or through our Facebook social media in some way so that we can tell you more about Jesus, so that we can continue this conversation with you, so that we can tell you how to become part of the kingdom of God. And if you're a Christian, this is good news for us too. You see, because we haven't been separated from the world yet we're still in that time when the good fish and the bad fish are still swimming in the lake together we're still living in the field where the wheat and the tares are existing side by side and and jesus says that we haven't been separated yet which means this is a time of opportunity for those who are not christians is a time of repentance and a time of grace but for us as christians this is an opportunity for us to proclaim the kingdom to be about god's work to be about pushing back the darkness in our world for to, to be about reaching out to others and telling them about the good news of the kingdom you see jesus in john 17 he made this very clear he said my prayer is is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one this is the confidence you and i have as we engage in our world as we engage with evil as we engage with wickedness that jesus has prayed for the father to protect us from the evil one they are not of the world even as i am not of it sanctify them by the truth your word is truth see there's a weapon for us to deal with our enemy the truth of god's word and prayer as you sent me into the world jesus is saying i have sent them into the world christian brother sister i want to tell you this is not a time for separation this is not a time for isolation yes you hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about defying government rules. But this is not a time of shrinking back in fear and withdrawing into holy huddles and forgetting about the world. This is not that time. Jesus has left us in the world and sent us out into the world to do kingdom work. And so I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Take up that call to make a difference in the world. Take up that call to be about the Father's business. Take up that call to be salt and light, to be a city on a hill. Because we're still rubbing shoulders with people who are part of the kingdom of darkness who are not part of god's kingdom who need to know about the good news of the kingdom that they're welcomed in and that through jesus they have the opportunity to become part of god's kingdom to become the children of god and to have the assurance that they will live with god in his coming kingdom which will be glorious and beautiful and wonderful and and satisfying and 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 be a kingdom of justice and truth and righteousness and peace and harmony forever if they believe in jesus as their lord and savior we're, we're with them. We're in the world with them. And we have the opportunity to proclaim this message to them. And Jesus said in John 9, 4, we're, we're in the stage of the day. This is the daytime. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me, Jesus said. And he gave a warning. Night is coming when no one can work. See, the fourth kingdom principle is so encouraging that separation has not come yet. That day is still awaiting us. And we have opportunities now to make a difference for the cause of Christ and for the glory of His name. Will you join me as an individual to push back the work of Satan? through prayer and through spiritual warfare, yes, in our lives, in our church, in the world, to believe for God's kingdom to advance. 
and also to stand together as we push back the works of darkness in the world through human evil and, and political evil and injustice and violence and corruption and all of those things, but to not lose sight of the greater evil that drives all of it. Will you join with me in proclaiming the kingdom of God and the coming kingdom and the coming king? Will you, will you join me in proclaiming the good news that we are still not in the time of separation and there is hope and invitation and welcome into the kingdom? I pray that you will, and I pray that you will be stirred in your heart, even in this COVID environment, with all of the isolation and all the rules and all the things we can't do, to believe that God can and wants to use you and will give you the strategies and the opportunities to be about His kingdom work, because it is still the day. As bleak and as dark as it looks, it is still the day, but night is coming. And praise God that that time is future, and we have the opportunity now to reach out to someone and to make a difference. Will you do that even this week in praying and in going? Will you engage with God's mission in the world? And will you join many people around the world who are praying Jesus' prayer? Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes as we reflect on this challenge that Jesus gives to us and then I will pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. It is a challenging word and it's an encouraging word. I pray, Father, that you would help us as we think about your kingdom, as we think about what it means when we see evil in the world. Lord, that we would not lose sight of who our real enemy is. Lord, that we would not lose sight of Satan that stands behind all the evil people and all the evil systems in our world. Lord, I pray that we would not lose sight of our King, uh, our, our Lord Jesus, who is, yes, Lord, the sovereign ruler of the universe, who is also the righteous judge, who is the suffering servant, that we would not reduce him down to a, a plastic, one-dimensional counterfeit of just a loving, welcoming Savior, that we would recognize his lordship and his sovereign rule and his coming judgment. Lord, that we would be stirred in our heart to make the most of the opportunities we have today, to engage with our world, to not step back, but to go into the world as your ambassadors and to be salt and light and to make a difference in our world. And for those of us, Lord, who don't know you as our Lord and Savior, Lord, today is the day of salvation. And I pray, Father, that you would give us the, the faith that we need to repent and to come to you and receive your forgiveness. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to reach out and take that next step of committing our ourselves and trusting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. I pray that, Lord, you'll be with us, that you would use us even this week to be about your kingdom work for your name's sake and for your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.